What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. Joining me on the other line is the one and only, the mighty Modingo, and this is episode 185, where we're talking about rookie DJ mistakes. Uh, you know, just common mistakes made by noobs. Uh, we haven't uh, done a kind of beginner DJ type of episode in a while, and so we thought that uh, we might bring some points in, share some things that uh, maybe our friends in the Facebook, uh, the Passionate DJ Facebook group. Before we get into the main segment, I do want to say really quick, uh, just do a couple of quick plugs. If you want to check me out on my personal YouTube channel, uh, check out Tony's new Twitch channel. Uh, trip on his SoundCloud or Mo on his MixCloud. Uh, I've made it really easy. I've just made nice, simple URLs for you to go to uh, passionatedj.com slash David Tony Trip or Mo. We'll bring you to uh, whatever we're trying to promote at the time, uh, which are those things right there. Uh, my personal YouTube channel is just uh, things that maybe aren't DJ related but have to do with retro gaming or something like that. Um, or maybe personal DJ sets and stuff, but not stuff that we want to publish here on Passionate DJ. Uh, Tony's started a real nice, uh, he's got a real nice Twitch setup with a green screen and everything. He's going to be promoting things on his Twitch channel. And then, of course, you can't miss Tripp's original work, which can be found on SoundCloud, and Moe's awesome mixes on his MixCloud page. Once again, you can either hit the show notes for this episode or just passionatedj.com forward slash our name and you'll go right to those links the other thing i want to mention before we move on is our october special every october we sell our classic logo tee our special midnight edition this is a dark gray on black uh, with the classic logo that we used to use before we uh, changed it over to the one that's on the website now Uh, it's a big fan favorite and we offer it only for these 30 days or so so uh, passionatedj.com slash midnight to get yours all right, so we're going to move over here to the call with Mr. Dingo. Chilling with some space cats. You know how I roll. <laughs> I love your backdrop. Those of you watching on the YouTube channel are going to love <laughs> Mo's selection there. Um, so I Oddly know- enough, I'm not a cat person, though, but, you know, space cats as your uh, backdrop, it's just that's fire right there. <laughs> that is fire. So you're a, you're a busy man today. Yeah, I am. Uh for those of you that have been following the show for a while, I know I retired from the military about a year ago, and since then I've been working from home. Uh, it's cool to work from home, but also at the same time, your hours aren't necessarily uh, clearly defined. Tell me about it. Because the customers that I uh, I support are literally all over the globe. So uh, there's been times I've had to wake up at the ass crack of dawn to talk to clients in Japan, and there's times I've had to stay up till you know way beyond midnight to talk to clients in Germany. So. I mean, it's all cool. It's part of the um, give and take of uh, being able to work from home. But tell you what, man, uh, I can't uh, can't complain. Not one bit. Well, I appreciate you uh, slicing out a little bit of time to talk about the subject today. Um, I know we only have you for limited time, so do you? But, but want I will to... make time for you, David. Oh, I appreciate and, that, sir. And the people, because pa- this is the people's podcast. Passionate DJ Nation, as you call them, they love. Yes, it. I do. <laughs> and they love and appreciate you for that. So, Word. I guess um, you know, I, I said something about rookie uh, doing the topic of rookie DJ mistakes, and you mm-hmm. seem to really want to get in and you know say a couple things about that. So, yeah, because I think. I've made all of them. <laughs> Fair enough. I feel that. Yeah. 
So I, I wonder if you want to, uh, do you have some notes of your own that you want to record as a segment, or do you want to go over the points that I have already, or how would you like to do that? And we, could, the, we can do we can do a little bit of both because uh, the angle I was approaching this was going to be from the mobile aspect because of the four of us, you know, I do the most mobile work. Okay. I know all, I know everybody at some point in their uh, DJ careers has done a little bit of mobile work, but since that's kind of the space I live in currently and um, a lot of our listeners seem to be in that space as well, I, I just figured uh, it would be cool for me to offer some insight uh, into that niche of this world we call DJing. Absolutely, no. That I appreciate you bringing that uh, perspective to the table because you've you've got so much uh, under your belt when it comes to that side of the equation. No, no. As we roll down the list, I'll believe me, I'll interject some stories because uh, <laughs> I, reading the show notes, I was like, oh yeah, I've done that. D- oh yep, mm, mm, yeah, done that. Made that mistake <laughs> twice. So, <laughs> well, you know the the one that popped you know right to the top of the list as soon as i made the post in the facebook community group was yeah. train wrecking it was the, you yeah. know usually the first thing that just pops in your head is the yeah. the actual audio clashing of a poor mix mm-hmm. uh, maxim scott mooney in the facebook group was within two minutes brought that one up and then a couple yeah. of other people agreed i remember that popping up real quick yeah that is that's kind of the quintessential uh, noob mistake <laughs> yeah uh, I think a lot of that stems from some of the other pieces that we'll talk about here, but just the overall train wrecking. I think some of that goes back to the, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, we know what DJs or we, we listen to DJs, like whether it be through pre-recorded mixes or we see them perform live in front of us. But a lot of times we don't know what's actually occurring while they're quote DJing. Right. Cause I remember trip tells a story about when he first, uh, learned about DJing like he thought one record had the rhythm section and the other record had <laughs> like the the highs and stuff like that so he didn't really understand that they were two completely separate songs so yeah the other thing about train wrecking is like it it, it also depends on the context right like we a lot of people who approach this from the club side of things tend to think about train wrecking like locking in a mix as being kind of uh, paramount to what they're trying to do and the the art w- that they're trying to create and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas, like, agreed, you know, a lot of wedding DJs don't even care about beat mixing. They might, you know, transition in other ways. And so, it's for some people, it's yeah, slam and faders or whatever. So it's it's not as important in some contexts as others. In in some contexts, it's everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of the points that I wrote down was. Uh, poor gain staging in other words uh, Mm -hmm. bad volume control in general Um, and this could also be uh, something that kind of relates to this is uh, not regularly checking your monitors or master output to see if Mm -hmm. what you're hearing in the in the cans is what they're what's going out yeah Um, and it's funny because uh, actually as we're talking i just got a message from our i posted like a behind the scenes photo uh, to instagram of like hey mm-hmm. getting ready to record rookie dj mistakes uh you know what what do you think about when i bring up rookie dj mistakes and our friend gunner from the uh, bedrock oh, yeah. episode to- uh, my buddy tommy he says thinking the cue channel is muted then realizing what you're hearing through the phones is playing through the monitors on stage <laughs> So he- hearing uh, the crowd hearing you beat match <laughs> or yeah. whatever, you know, would be a disaster, for example. Um, when I uh, doing mobile work, when I, I had gotten a, a new sub, so I thought arbitrarily um, 
with my tops, I would just turn down the the low end a little bit and then crank up the high end just a tiny bit to offset it. A huge mistake because like I walked out there like a, about an hour into it and like I was like, oh my God, this is piercing. I was like, why aren't these people deaf by now? And I was like, I went and I adjusted everything very quietly. Then about, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, walked back out there. I was like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get sued. I think that's probably one thing that you, you probably learn quickly as a working mobile DJ is that it's easier for you. So take the, the case in point where you are sort of playing and monitoring with the same rig. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a small to medium kind of setup where you bring one set of tops and a sub or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's much easier to tell what the, the bass is doing from behind speakers than it is Absolutely. to hear what the tops are doing or what the highs are doing. Yeah. The highs are so directional. And so mm-hmm. if you're in front of it, you know, to your point, it might just be piercing ears and yeah. you might just be there rocking it out. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just, you got a little thump going and you're good. Not knowing that you're, you're killing that's them out a, there. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, there's probably dogs like that were on the other side of the bar. This is an outdoor wedding. So there's dogs like in a pasture, like a, a mile away, just like covering their ears and, 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 and whining. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. You remember my story of, of playing one of my own productions for the yeah. first time on, on a big, on a rig. big rig. Yeah. And I, I saw reactions that made me <laughs> understand I should EQ my sense differently in the future because they sound like, differently out there than they did in my, you know, headphones. You're like, this is not the desired effect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They were really into it. And then suddenly they were really not. They yeah, I learned, Suddenly they were deaf. Yeah. I learned quickly. <laughs> Uh, another thing was uh, being unfamiliar with gear in mm-hmm. general. So uh, this can cause problems like, you know, not knowing basic mixer functions. So you get up there and uh, maybe you've practiced a lot, but you've only practiced your own little kind of routine. Mm-hmm. And you get up there and the crossfader is off or mm-hmm. it's in uh, re- reversed or you know, yeah. some feature is on or off and you don't know what to do about it or uh, the scaling of the crossfader like people are not necessarily aware of like how to set the staging on that or or know that their crossfader the does do have staging as far as their curve yeah 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 it's it's really helpful to know like not only your own little corner of the world but also kind of like general I don't want to say general DJ theory, but like hard having general hardware knowledge of what this yeah. stuff is supposed to do and the general concepts behind it so that when you're presented with a scenario you're not used to. When you're not at home. Yeah. When you're not at home and you're under pressure, you can you're not afraid to tweak a knob because you might not be able to get something back. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I think as a mobile DJ, I think that's kind of something you sort of have to learn uh by doing by trial because oftentimes you're not gonna have tech support you know when you're Mm -hmm. doing a mobile gig you sort of learn by doing and making those mistakes yourself uh but you know maybe putting yourself in those situations which i've heard you talk about throwing yourself under the bus you know when you're practicing like how to do certain things like if this goes wrong how do i recover right what's my backup plan for x you know if i don't have y then what do i do so and I think that just goes with that overall preparedness when it comes to being a rookie DJ. And I realize this is this is one way in which, you know, 
we're all pretty lucky because of passionate dj and because we're involved in our community and we have each other as friends Mm -hmm. we all use different things we all have access to different gear we all get to play with different things all the time people come over here to the studio and bring their stuff and then we mess with it you know like dj access bringing his reins Mm -hmm. uh not too long ago uh for fam jam so you know we get to touch and and handle all those things and not everybody does but that and then being, trip making a trip making a recent purchase. Yeah, trip went and bought a, a whole prime <laughs> setup, which I, I yeah. can't wait till he lets us uh, put our grubby fingers all over that yeah. stuff. <laughs> but it's it, you know, even though not everybody gets access to that level of gear, like I, I realize that that's not practical. But mm-hmm. uh, that being said, I, I would encourage people to find opportunities to mess with gear that's unique to them or that they haven't messed yeah. with before or creating opportunities for those things. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was a, when I was a listener still uh, reaching out to you and asking you like, how can I get exposure to these, you know, to the quote, big boy stuff like CDJs and 900s mm-hmm. and Nexus setups, you know, and you're like, well, sometimes you're just going to have to go find opportunities to get, your hands on those things because you know i just don't have five grand sitting around where i right. can go buy a nexus setup and do i re- i mean do i need to rent one to keep in my basement for a weekend just to test it out i don't know it depends on you know what my situation is or what i'm getting prepared for but if you know somebody like in my instance you know i have that 1000 right the, the ddj 1000 and i've loaned that out to a couple local guys who were interested in just either buying one or they wanted to kind of get used to that form factor of the Nexus, which essentially it is, or like I call it the Nexus with no brain. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> just to, you know, kind of get understand the knobology. Now it's not the Nexus setup, but it, it's kind of the next best thing you can get, you know, without having it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to kind of touch on that too. Like there, the nice thing is at least nowadays there are a lot more, options mm-hmm. for that at least speaking specifically to like i want to learn the industry standard pioneer mm-hmm. kind of setup like yeah. at least they've uh, they being pioneer have filled in you know spots in in different markets and different price points price points that yeah. give djs of all kind of stripes access to that record box uh functionality and mm-hmm. you know in some way or another, it'll translate across platforms. Yeah. It might not be exact or perfect as compared to, you know, a 2000 Nexus 2 setup and, and et cetera. But you'll at least, once again, you'll you'll know what you're doing when you arrive at a record box setup. You'll understand the yeah. language. Yeah, because uh, since getting that 1000, I did have a chance to use a, uh, a Nexus setup. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is just a little bit different, but not much. But when I looked at it, you know, it wasn't like looking at a stick shift for the first time. Right. It's not a you spaceship. Know, I, it's just exactly, got a few more buttons. Like, exactly. I mean, really, the biggest thing, it's got the USB key. And that's really yeah. <laughs> like about the, the one of the major differences in touchscreens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, I think you had a list of points. You want to go ahead and uh, run a, one, of the, one or two of those? Um, for, you know, again, uh, most of my points are going to come from the uh, mobile realm. But... Um, I'm going to start off with uh, setting your expectations too high, you know, as we're talking about gear. Um, I, you know, and the the thing is, and even I fell into this trap when I first started. I was like, oh well, I need to have X speakers in these subs, and I need to have these lights, and I need to have this controller. You know, you know, kind of stepping into that mobile world. Um, so it's like over promising. 
well creating like i said creating this unnecessarily high barrier uh for myself that oh, i didn't I really that didn't really exist i just created it and put it in front of me mm -hmm. um because i had this expectation of like i guess i wanted to um appear a certain way um but there's absolutely zero correlation between the gear you have and your abilities as a dj whether it's mobile club whatever um you and your experience and amount of practice are what is going to make that event what it is from the musical standpoint um and probably once, yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i was just going to say probably you as the dj care a lot more about the gear that you're using than anybody who hires you in that context will <laughs> yeah absolutely i think in the i guess i've been doing mobile uh been doing crossfit gigs since about 2013 but doing weddings since about 2015 um i've had one person knew what my mixer was you know yeah so you take one out of, person out of a bazillion gigs <laughs> yeah yeah out of, out of probably about a close to two thousand uh participants you know <laughs> in any shape size or form one person knew that i was using a ddj 1000 uh so to that point you know the people don't care they just want to know that you can rock their party however they're asking you to did they say um, bro why are you using the ddj 1000 instead of like <laughs> nexus 2000s bro <laughs> <laughs> about the only thing people might know the difference is just the software like oh well i use serato okay cool or i yeah. use a you know record box or things like that but and, for the most my, part in my experience yeah. when if somebody is in the know enough to want to say something about it then they're just excited to talk about it like they don't yeah. care if it's they're excited if it's different they're like oh is yeah. that is that virtual dj oh i spent yeah. a lot of time in tractor and you yeah. just suddenly it's a thing and you can share points it, and i think that's cool yeah, and, and one of those things that I think a lot of new DJs don't take into consideration when they're trying to go in this mobile realm is that you can always rent gear. You don't have to, you know, buy it all up front, you know, yeah. do a couple, you know, rent some gear, do a couple of gigs, set some cash aside to, you know, procure um, your gear, you know, as, as you see fit. Because that's kind of what I've done. You know, I started off with, I mean, there was that initial investment, you know, which like i said never intended to become what it is today uh, but aside from that everything that i've purchased since 2015 was a result of money that i made from crossfit gigs like nothing has come out of my personal account it's all come out of uh you know the dj dingo account <laughs> mo doesn't halfway hustle <laughs> dingo don't write checks straight cash homie that's right <laughs> The next one probably really can can relate to both sides of the coin here, the one that I wrote down, uh, and that's being underprepared. And yep. I, when I wrote it down, I was kind of coming at it from the context of not knowing your music, or mm -hmm. at least not, not knowing the tracks that you're playing very well. And mm -hmm. as a result, you know, track runs out suddenly, or you end up with a key clashy kind of mix or, or some, the BPM something nasty changes. Happens. Yes. The BPM changes suddenly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Wh whatever. Um, or to the point that you like to bring up, I know this is relevant as a mobile DJ, especially uh, not being prepared for the sudden explicit content, even if yep. it was not marked as such in uh, whatever your library is yep. like Spotify, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th that's one of my, um, if, if you're a recent listener, uh, I when I do my mobile gigs, uh, I'd say about 99% of the time I'm using um, DJ Pro. Mm -hmm. 
which has integration with Spotify. Mm. Uh, Spotify is great for a lot of things, but one thing they are not abreast on is properly labeling their songs, whether they're clean or explicit. There's been several times where something was labeled clean and it was not. Um, I learned that lesson really quick, um, which again, that was my fault for being underprepared. My, I assumed that uh, what was written on the label was correct, and it was not. Uh, but you know, Mo was playing a did, kindergarten graduation. And yeah. Suddenly they got a do- dose <laughs> of Snoop Dogg they weren't ready you? for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but a, a, uh, a quick uh, middle EQ. You know, whenever a certain <laughs> word comes up, right. tends to take care of that. But uh, to that point, uh, even further, having to curate uh, playlists in Spotify to make sure that I'm playing the right version, you know, the clean version of a particular track. Um, and also being underprepared um, when it comes to your audience. Um, David, the one story that comes to mind when you're talking about uh, being underprepared uh, is the situation flipped on you when you were DJing. It was supposed to be a house or they told you you could, you could play whatever you wanted, but then it just so turns out nothing but hip hop heads showed up right and you weren't prepared for that but you know especially because it was one of my earliest gigs it was like yeah. the third oh, okay. time i didn't realize that yeah it was like the third time i'd ever played somewhere other than the place where i played my first gigs if that makes sense so okay. it's somewhere other than home <laughs> okay so to speak and yeah. i got up there and they're like play whatever you want nobody will be there at 9 30 well a couple people were there and you know, it was like a birthday party or a bachelorette party or something and they're like they want to hear hip-hop i'm like ah that would be great i didn't bring that though <laughs> so i was i was kind of I, I had a couple of like i had like a missy elliott like house remix and they were like they danced for like five minutes and then you yeah. know I, I ran out of tricks and you don't want to be in that situation that sucks yeah, but, but that that's a vastly different situation when you're told that this is the makeup of your crowd and you fail to prepare for that crowd. Yeah, right. that, that one. I, I commend you for uh for surviving the you know, for keeping the ship straight on that one because <laughs> I don't claim that as a me problem, but it still sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as an artist who cares about what they're doing, yeah, it's you still have that weight on your shoulders even though you had no control over that. But yeah, yeah that, thumbs up on that one, bro, for sure. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know that that just being underprepared thing. You know, it's th- there's nothing like having that uh, th- that moment of panic when you're mm-hmm. like, you know, especially if you're a new or a newish DJ, and especially if like 200 eyeballs are on you or more, yeah. then it's kind of like, whoa, you, you know, the simplest problem might cause you to to freeze up because you're just yeah. kind of you know the deer in headlights effect, I guess. Yeah, and the key with those situations is to remind yourself not to panic because uh, my brother-in-law, Gary, says it best. Like, nothing good ever came from a freak out. You know, name one time, you know, everybody listening, watching, name one time in your life where you freaked out and the end result was positive. That's a fair point. Probably going to come up with a goose egg on that one. So, okay, acknowledge the fact that you know, this situation is out of your control. Yeah, I've been spurred into action, but but n- I wouldn't describe it as that. A freak out? Yeah. As a freak out, yeah. Because if you're freaking out, you're kind of like inherently... You've lost the battle. Not, yeah, you're not reacting <laughs> properly to whatever is happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, try, try and just uh, assess the situation as best you can. Take yourself out of it and look at yourself and then think about, okay, self, this is what you need to do. 
you know, just kind of take yourself out of his different headspace and just try and uh, take a calm approach to it because uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, our good friend DJ Serato out in Arizona when he said he was doing a wedding and originally he was just supposed to, he was going to announce the bride and the groom. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, we got like 14 people we need you to announce. <laughs> <laughs> they all have 20 syllable names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh no. Shout out, shout out Serato. But he handled that, you know, with dignity in class. Um, I probably would, you know, I've had those situations happen to me where things change at the last minute and they want to add things. And I, I'm, you know, as much as irritated, irritation as I get, again, it's not about me. It's about what my customer wants for that day, and I have to do my best to accommodate yeah. it. So, um, but well, yeah, but in but in a club setting, you know, freaking out, uh, you know, the fader goes bad. Um, your monitor doesn't work. Right. Uh, you don't have lights in the booth. Uh, you know, there's a myriad you forgot of things. Something. Yeah, you forgot an adapter. You know, there's a myriad of things that can go wrong, and just. You know, hopefully in those situations you have people with around you that you can go to like hey can i borrow your headphones you know i forgot my adapter things like that versus going back to the unprepared piece like oh i didn't bring headphones oh i didn't bring a usb stick you know <laughs> i i've had my ass saved a, a number of times i know for a fact tony is in particular has saved my ass at least two or three times mm-hmm. <laughs> even before passionate dj probably yeah yeah, it's 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 helpful to have friends, but it it Absolutely. teaches you quickly to to like either get a checklist or mm-hmm. you know something to make sure that you've got everything or or do a like I do. I always do a run through and set everything up, tear everything back down, put it in my bag just to make sure mm-hmm. that nothing seems like it's missing when I do yeah, that. Yeah, I've started uh, using like color coded um, Velcro straps for everything. Oh, nice! And then I have this big bag uh, that I carry all my cables in so i know you know i need to have four with this color cable in my power i need four with this color cable in my uh my mics and speakers you know and things like that and i I know what it looks like when everything's right so if you're missing one color of the rainbow you're like yeah indigo indigo." exactly so uh, yeah yeah (laughs) if i if i if i if i have three fuchsia velcros you know (laughs) then i know something's wrong uh, well, what do you think about uh, being overprepared? And what I mean by that is um, maybe not reading the crowd, uh, just kind of being that bulldozer DJ and, and enforcing a particular playlist onto a, an unsuspecting crowd. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I can speak to that on both sides from the club aspect and from the mobile aspect or CrossFit or corporate or whatever. Uh, I think it was my very first uh, gig that I'd done since I quote came out of retirement, meaning I had children and had to be responsible. Uh, I had like my playlist, like laid out to the second, you know, we're going to start this transition here and this transition there. And as I was playing stuff, like I just noticed that the crowd wasn't feeling, they were, they were, they were, they were having a good time, but they weren't feeling it as much Mm -hmm. as I wanted to. And I had to like start to divert. And I was like, no, I I made this playlist. I I can't divert from it. I put so much into this. Nobody cares. (laughs) They don't understand. (laughs) You know, and just, uh, kind of, I mean, I mean, five years removed, like I look back on, I was like, man, that was, that was stupid, you know, but, uh, don't be so staunch in your desire to maintain this particular journey that you thought was going to occur at this show. Um, give yourself some buffer. And I don't remember where I picked this trick up from, um, but I've adopted it ever since. And the 
the the trick was to have twice as much music as you plan on playing mm. so if you have an hour set have two hours worth of music because that gives you some buffer because your head when you're building that playlist like your head is in a certain space so if yeah. you can kind of give yourself a little bit of flexibility um but still have that crate that's curated for that particular set now you have almost unlimited options and if you really want to get nuts with it you can start drop mixing you know and even put you know even more songs in there so yeah if things are going particularly well you can just get get crazy with it yeah yeah and and ever since i ever since i've kind of given up a little bit of uh constraint on that like there's been times where i'm just like in the middle of a set i'm like oh i need to drop this in and i'll go like way out of the crate and just load something up i'm like yes this worked perfect yeah so yeah, that's something that I've always kind of followed. Though I don't, I don't know if I read that somewhere. If that's just something, I feel like that was like anxiety driven. Like I, <laughs> I should not have exactly as much music as I plan on playing. Um, yeah, yeah. Tony's told us stories about him hiring DJs, and uh, when it, you know a DJ either finishes early before them or doesn't show up, or the DJ that they're supporting, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't show up on time and the person's up on the behind the decks and they look at Tony like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm out of music. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and Tony as a promoter is like, what do you mean you're out of music? Yeah, that's your problem. That's what yeah. I hired you for. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be that guy. Cause then you're, you're just looking like that douchebag. Yeah. So, yeah. um, the example I like to give is the, um, for, for my personal story bank is, uh, when I opened for Sasha. Killer the, set, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, no, David left his uh, jump drive uh, in the booth, and you bet your well, ass I took that it. shit home. I, 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 well, I rescued it. One, and you bet your ass I took that shit home and copied it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm blushing. Stop, stop. Um, but I, I, that was like a really big deal kind of gig for me. It was a, a I would hope so. A, you know, an iconic person. You know, a legendary person to to warm up for. Yeah. Um, it was a really big room with really big sound. I knew there was going to be a big turnout, and it was uh, being thrown by friends. Yeah. So I felt this this immense sense of responsibility. And for Trip, you know, he's talked about um, Paul Oakenfold show in in a similar mm-hmm. manner. That was kind of yeah. his uh, his recent one. You, you feel this this weight that you like. This crowd's depending on me. Tony's mm. depending on me. Day- yeah, who, Dayton Day- is depending on me. <laughs> Dayton is depending on me to have a good time yeah. tonight. And so it's like you start having this conversation with yourself, like, to to what extent should I compromise my artistic whatever mm-hmm. in order to make sure that this is functionally <laughs> correct? For, <laughs> right? for the night. For yeah. the night, right? So... The way that I approach that and the way I, I approach even a lot smaller gigs, I, I really kind of do the same thing, is like I'll put a main kind of playlist, but then for that one I put like a secondary playlist that was almost like, I hate to use the term filler, but it, it could kind of fit anywhere in the set. I, I, think that, I think that's what you called that second folder in that jump drive okay okay because when, <laughs> when i looked at it yeah you had your main folder with your songs that you wanted to hit and then you had something and i think it was labeled filler and i looked at that and i kind of listened to him i was like okay i think i understand what he was doing with this this is like uh your uh your secret pitches were uh and it, it were needed, in that folder it needed to be elastic 
mm-hmm. so there was nothing super crazy that happened in there like melodically or there was like no vocal tracks in there you mm-hmm. know that kind of stuff and so that way because you want know, to talk about stuff that's anxiety driven right so mm-hmm. it's like i didn't want to be up there standing in front of like my hero and then like maybe he's half an hour late for whatever reason or something happens and i just run out of music like what am i just gonna run a loop for 20 minutes you know so yeah that gave me if i saw that coming then i knew to start filling some of that space out in between the tracks that i already kind of wanted to play Mm -hmm. and so that way you know you you still feel like you're you're contributing something to the set that's artistic but at the same Mm -hmm. time you feel prepared absolutely and then uh the other part of that, like you just mentioned, kind of was the is the overload, like uh, having too much in front of you. And oh I yeah, think we, we we talked about this on episodes before. Just you know, when we talk about libraries and crates, like how much is enough and how much is too much. You know, like I have, I think off the top of my head, if I look in my um my MacBook, I probably have like twenty four hours worth of music. You know, which is a couple thousand songs, right? You know, and, and I. You, it's you, probably safe to say I, there's some songs in there I've never even played. You could play a pretty long set if you needed to. Exactly. And and I th- I think I mentioned this. This was like the best part and the worst part of joining a, um, a record pool mm. when I uh, when I first started DJing again is that I was I was like, oh, I'm going to download this and download this and download this. And I was just downloading everything but wasn't playing everything, you know? Gotcha. So sometimes having more options is almost too bad because, like I said, I overloaded myself with things that, and that, I, I could probably I could probably go through iTunes and hit sort, and there's like probably a hundred songs that have zero plays on them. Right, and um, now with streaming, you you have the the world at your fingertips. Yeah. So it's it's good because you can fulfill nearly any request. So mm-hmm. from that perspective, especially as a mobile DJ or something yeah. like that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about the person who kind of needs some? some limits to inspire creativity right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly then that's where you know having some sometimes having too much it falls in that overdoing it and being over prepared that yeah. whole lane speaking of overdoing it what about uh, uh overdoing it as far as uh trying to mix in a hyperactive manner or get crazy with the flanger or yeah. getting a little <laughs> bit crazy with the effects um you know, it's easy for me I mean, to complain about because I'm so effects light. I've just always been that way. But not everybody yeah. is, and a lot of people do cool things with effects. And it's yeah. not that I never use them, but it's just I I will probably back off before a lot of DJs will. But I think that new DJs really tend to want to, f- especially in the digital era, want to try to fill mm-hmm. space with knob twisty cool. Yeah, you know, ear candy thingies. Yeah, and then for me, like it's, it's there's three different hats I wear as a DJ. So like the CrossFit stuff, I'm not using effects. You know, those people are out there <laughs> dying. They just want to beat. They can they can move weight too. Uh, corporate uh, wedding, like you know, I'll, I'll do Trip's favorite and I'll do that uh, echo out. You know, <laughs> transition <laughs> from one song to another. Um, but when I'm actually performing, you know, a show, I'm I'd say I'd pretty I'm pretty effects light because you know the with house music they're pretty much the effects already in the track mm, um, right unless there's something specific i'm trying to achieve 
where where maybe I'm like cutting the baseline out of one track and 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 jacking the baseline from another track and laying those two over, you know, and maybe like doing a slow filter sweep to kind of transition those in and out. Yeah. You know, little flanger here and there, a little echo, little reverb, you know. I was gonna say other other than kind of like audio sculpty type things like try filtering and trying to layer things and make them work mm-hmm. about the only time i use effects for like an an excitement sparkly thing is like maybe i'm playing like techno or something and then i just there maybe there's like a particular moment where the crowd is really just they're really just locked in mm-hmm. and sometimes that only happens for for a few minutes in an seconds. hour yeah yeah you know? And so if you see that happening, then it's like, you know, maybe somebody came out and started break dancing, got everybody excited, and you know they're going to be excited for a good five or ten minutes or something. Yeah. So then I might, like, jump in and, like, do a little f- filter, filter up with a little bit of reverb on it and do, like, a force a build in there that maybe mm-hmm. wasn't in the original track and kind of create mm-hmm. one on the fly. Yeah. Then they see that I'm doing that. They go, "Yay! Wow, well, cool! The DJ did something, <laughs> and it was actually kind of functional and served a purpose." You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so I like it for that. But I think, like, as we relate it to rookie DJ mistakes, like a lot of people just they're like, "I can't start just stand here." So yeah, yeah, I just need to start hitting buttons and twisting all the knobs because this is what DJs do. Yeah, and and Tony uh, speaks about that a lot because you. You know, like, and even uh, DJ Craze talked about it. You know, these DJs being cheerleaders and and ghost fading and doing all this stuff just to make it look like they're doing something because that's the expectation is oh the DJ has to be touching knobs and everything. And right. I, I'm I'm horrible for that because a lot of times there's just nothing that needs to be done. Yeah, you, know? you don't want to look stupid or bored or or like you're checking your email or anything mm-hmm. like that up there either. So it's it's yeah. hard to find that balance between I don't. I'm not faking this. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want to mime, but at the same yeah, time, exactly. you don't want to look bored. And, and I've tried to do better to work on that um, because I'm really bad at like digging into the mixer and just staying focused in there. And I've tried to, instead of me, you know, miming and stuff like that, I try and force myself to look at the crowd and like point at people and, you know, be, yeah. do a little bit of the cheerleading stuff. But I think in that wedding scenario, that's, what they want the dj to do mm. and that's fine but for me it's more of an exercise of me getting my head up and looking at the crowd because i'm i'm horrible at that speaking of tony he just replied on instagram accidentally hitting the pause button and looking at the stage manager like it's their fault <laughs> know your gear oh. know yeah. your gear uh, <laughs> I, i've i've been with tony on i can count three occasions where I've been uh, supporting him being a backline tech and like DJs that I uh, love and, and, and like, I'm actually going to go see one here shortly, but I remember it was the first time I worked with him. And then the DJ's up there and all of a sudden he, he just stops and he looks at Tony. He's like, what the fuck? Tony goes up there and he, Tony's looking. He's like, you hit the power button. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tony just walks off. Yeah. And, you know, that's what these organizations pay Tony for because, you know, he's he's like the the, the bomb detector guy. You know, he goes in there and he, and he snips the wire and he, and he walks out, you know. And he needs and, to and be I able see, to do that and handle that calmly without calling yeah. him a fucking idiot or something yeah. so to keep the situation and I, calm. And I've seen him do that multiple times. And it's just like, 
he's like that mythical creature in the um in the movie like he comes out of the mist you know and he says a couple <laughs> words and does something and then just drifts back and you know everybody's like whoa you know <laughs> Uh, our friend DJ Access, uh, also on Instagram, said uh, redlining, kind of going back to our our gain yeah. control. And just like our good friend Tom Reed tells us, red lights are for prostitutes. Red lights are for prostitutes. <laughs> to piggyback on, like I said, the mobile stuff, setting your expectations too low. Um, don't show up to a paid gig with a Beats pill and an iPhone. <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah. I've heard of it happening, and that's the only, and that's why I, I I wrote it down. Um, so you you don't have to have twenty grand invested, but also be a professional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't have to have like twenty bucks invested either. Right. Um, you need to have a professional setup, and what I mean by that is, don't um, come up there and say, "Hey, do you have a a folding table or whatever?" And then you set your speakers on some milk crates, you know, and everything just looks a mess you know you, you need to have at least access to speakers and a table you know yeah as, as a dj and make your setup look professional as you can with what you have figure out how to manage all those cables and yeah things. i mean if all you have is some a set of speakers and some and some poles you know some speaker poles like at least try and make it look neat you know kind of velcro them to your your stands you don't necessarily have to have scrims you know if you're early on that phase but just whatever you have make it look as clean and as neat as polished as possible you know you, you do you have to have a, a fitted sh uh, cover for your table um i mean for me i have a bomb ass mother-in-law who can sew her ass off and she made one for me it's got like pockets and it's got holes in it so i can feed the cables through my table because i drill holes in it and everything is like total custom awesome awesome setup but can you yeah. just go to uh, Hobby Lobby or Michaels and get like a black uh, piece of fabric and just kind of make it look a little sexy. Yeah, absolutely. And and even so, I mean, you, even if you just want to throw money at that problem, it's you can solve that for cheaper than you think. And yeah. it, you, you slap, you know, a, a f nice fitted cover with a really classy logo on it mm -hmm. uh, over your basic six foot fold out table that you can get at Walmart and suddenly yeah. your your setup is upgraded significantly absolutely and, um one thing that i did uh for the few mobile mobile gigs that i played was i got that in black so i had a white logo but the mm -hmm. skirt was black um because that actually really helps to hide a lot of the cables yeah because most <laughs> of your cables are black you just can't yeah. see them and so then i would uh so former guest matt freeman uh and i used to play a deep house night at a local kind of loungy restaurant place and mm -hmm. we would use that, and then we would take uh, black uh, hand towels and washcloths and just use it to cover up whatever was left. And yeah. we were able to set up just super-duper fast every time we wanted because we didn't have a lot of setup time. Um, but you just everything just disappeared into the, the yeah. darkness. It was awesome. Yeah, don't just go up there and set everything and just, and just and start jamming. You know, Try and make it as, as sexy as possible you know, with what you have. You know, you, you you don't have to have these hydraulic speaker stands and you right. know, uh, a whole like setup uh, trust trusting system. You know, just work with what you have. Clean and, and simple is key. Starting out. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that you wrote on here that uh, from the club aspect, uh, disregarding the importance of progression. 
Yeah, and, and there's a couple of ways we could think about that too. You know, like mm-hmm. there's the progression of a set, and then there's the progression of the the night proper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Johan uh, Bjornsson, he's one of the members in the Facebook group, and I he's submitted all kinds of things, and I'm sure he's already corrected me on his on the pronunciation of his name. So I'm sorry. <laughs> For butchering that, um, <laughs> but he uh, posted in the the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash, or excuse me, passionatedj.com forward slash community. He writes, thinking that the progression of energy up and then down throughout the night isn't really that important. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Uh, and the example I'll use, we'll go back to your night where you did direct support for Sasha. Um, you did an excellent job of maintaining an energy level that had its peaks but you didn't go like hard because that wasn't your job is to go hard your job was to get the crowd ready for sasha yeah not in that particular gig it wasn't yeah yeah um but you know we take it to like a house party or something completely different you know right you 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 go you get you get fist pumping and ass is shaking you know, because your set is your set. And nowadays it's so different because live streaming is, is such an aspect of, of being a DJ and, and mm-hmm. YouTube and things like that, that it's like, what, what does it even mean to have that kind of context? You know, it's mm-hmm. everything's kind of random depending on where you are in the world when you scroll mm-hmm. past it on your feed or whatever. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the way I, when I do live streaming i mean i've done it a couple times not very many but more so you know how i have mixes on uh uh mixcloud it's more of like my my, my roadmap is always that late hill where i'll build up mm. you know and like in that last third is where i i hit max velocity and then i, I taper it down from there our friend mike donovan also posted in the facebook group not knowing the history of your local dj or dance music scene of course, this once again relates more yeah. to the underground-y, maybe club DJ kind of thing, but we, you could maybe make that more generic and just say not doing your homework. Um, yeah. But I, I like the, the specific focus on that because that gets, uh, it gets missed so often. You know, People don't really care about who came before them and what the scene mm-hmm. used to be like. And man, I tell you, that's when I was getting into this, that was one of the things that I found to be the most fascinating. I wanted to yeah. know who all the players were now and back in the day, back in the where, rave where, days. Yeah, where did this you come know, from? Where did it come know. from? Who made it happen? Where, mm-hmm. you know, what were the venues and all that kind of stuff? And I, I learned so much about my town just from pursuing that knowledge from that angle. And it was kind of yeah. neat. And I, I think you miss a lot by, don't, by not doing that. Well, I, I will make this argument. You're not going to lose anything by doing that research. That's for damn sure. Right. Um, if nothing else, you'll have the knowledge history, and most often you'll gain an appreciation for what it is you're doing. And when you hear an amen break, when you catch it in your head the first time, you know, from a drum and bass track to, you know, a hip hop track, you're like, oh, 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 wait a minute. That was the amen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and just little things like that, knowing your history, um, knowing what came before you, yeah, and even just like uh, understanding the progression of DJing from, you know, going from vinyl to digital, it just understanding and having an appreciation for all that. 
yeah. as an art. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's probably important to say, like, the rookie mistake is not playing a gig before you have a comprehensive understanding of the history of DJing. You know, no. it's it's just the rookie mistake would be to not care about those things, I think. Yeah. Because there's there's so much context that can be added to your, you know, the context that you bring to your DJing. Yeah. Yeah, that's and like knowledge the, is power, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of this is kind of societal where a lot of times we want the information in front of us. We want it now. And, you know, because you can ask Google anything, it'll tell you where back in the day like we didn't have google we had to talk to other djs and find out about so how come there's no more raves here right oh well the 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 rave act what's the rave act you know oh well this guy disco donnie you know the feds went after him and blah 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 and then like it's this whole outlaw jesse james yeah and it's (laughs) this whole outlaw jesse james thing and you're (laughs) like man the man went after one dude to shut down raves is are you serious (laughs) you know and if you if if you're a new listener, check out that uh, interview that uh, uh, Tony and David did with uh, Disco Donnie. It's like a, a an amazing history lesson in um, one of our classic episodes. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's an absolute treat. B Funk posted in the Facebook group. I love all the activity from former guests on the show. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, he says uh, new DJs chasing the fame and notoriety and not the passion of mixing records. Too often they get confused. Too many people are addicted to the crowd's energy and not the love of music. I thought that was pretty insightful. I love the way that he put that. Well, of course, he, that's, of course he would put it that way because he, he's so eloquent you know, when it comes to stuff like that. He, our friend B-Funk is like right in the pocket for our, uh, who our audience, our target audience is. He, he is a passionate DJ if I've ever seen mm, one. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just I, I'm gonna go ahead and read that again, just because I thought it was so well put. New uh, rookie DJ mistake is new DJs chasing the fame and notoriety, and not the passion of mixing records. Yeah, it's uh... you. You have a lot more, a, a lot longer lasting foray into this if you care about the music and what you're doing to it, rather than look at me um cool dj (laughs) yeah for as as much as people at one point said that this was just going to die kind of like rap music and hip-hop um it's not going anywhere anytime soon you know like i'm like kind of mentoring this kid who's 10 years old right now you know the guy the kid that i um gave my s2 to for his birthday because he told his dad he was interested in djing i'm like "Uh, yeah sure here take this you know go do some amazing stuff with it man dude's putting together has no musical training and he added me on instagram i didn't know who he was he's like hey can you listen to this i'm like yeah sure i'm listening to it and it's like you know he put together a couple beats and i'm like and once i realized who it was i called his dad i was like hey is this your son he's like yeah i was like it was like did you have you listened to anything he's done he's like no not really i was like you need to check it out and he's like well i hear him doing it all the time so i don't know i was like no no you don't understand with a 10 year old with no musical training is able to put together a a well-rounded i mean granted he's 10 years old but he's putting together beats yeah you know and i'm like you need to nurture this he's like really i'm like absolutely i was like and when when he starts touring the world remember you know that i I put you on this (laughs) remember uncle mo (laughs) (laughs) but 
it's not going anywhere. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not. Mo, you brought one up in the Facebook group when we were talking about this that kind of had to do with uh, maybe having too much dependency on one particular yeah. service or another um, and horror yeah, stories so, surrounding that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've had a couple people at venues. So a lot of the weddings I do, well, in this part of the country, in this part of the world, the kind of hip thing to do right now is like these uh, barn weddings. So when I say barn wedding, I really mean like it's out in the country in a barn Um rustic type setting uh really cool um because the the dope part about it is if it's like a really old barn it's like you know rustic and everything like the acoustics are amazing in there because Mm. it's all wood and the uh the ceilings are curved and everything so there's no echoes and it just sounds baller but also with that means you're not super close to like the city uh therefore cell towers and i've had people tell me like uh yeah uh, a guy came up and he said you know, he asked me for a Wi-Fi password. I'm like, what do you need my Wi-Fi password for? It's like, oh, well, I stream all my music, you know, and it's okay if you're going to stream music, but you got to be prepared to <laughs> not have that have music that. streamed <laughs> or not have that, um, to, to not have the foresight to either one, have a hotspot with you or go out and check to make sure you get cell signal at a particular venue. Or even coordinating with the venue owner to even see if you can use their Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, that's like the modern equivalent of I lost my records or forgot my yeah. records. It's like, oh, oh my God, I can I can do literally nothing, none of my job yeah. right now. If you're not prepared for that kind of scenario. But to that point, twenty years ago, I never forgot to bring my records to a gig. <laughs> I might have forgotten a record or a cartridge, right. but not my records. Not like, oh, I didn't bring any music. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you had one job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't bring those three 20-pound crates of, of, <laughs> of round vinyl uh, to, to yeah. play for these people. It's easy to overlook those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sort of that dependence upon technology. Um it, it will fail you at some point. Um, I've had venues that were even in the city where I couldn't get a good cell signal with mm-hmm. either of my hotspots. And, but you know what? I had a ton of, like I have that 24 hours worth of music on my laptop and guess what? I made it through because I had a backup plan to the backup plan, you know, two, two hotspots and my hard drive, you know, and still made it through. So, but things like, uh, I did a gig with brains and his hard drive took a crap in the middle of it. Mm. Um, but luckily we were there together and you know we we made it work but you know. <laughs> so our tip for the day is always travel with another dj <laughs> <laughs> um i had two kind of rapid fire points here at the end um you know the the first uh you know big rookie mistake is just getting wasted you know i, I wrote it down as getting drunk etc yeah, uh, I so wasted and whatever that means for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Good point. It is 2019. Um, I personally don't drink um, if I'm providing music as a service. Um, there is only one time I have drank, and that's when I told that bad gig story about that lady passing out, and you know me doing first aid, self aid, buddy care, calling 911, doing an assessment, you know, going to my jeep and getting my first aid kit and giving her an ice pack and checking her pupils out and everything and then this little girl you know god bless her heart but she was like um there's no music playing (laughs) (laughs) preoccupied (laughs) 
that's the only time in my mobile DJ career where I've taken a drink on the job because I was like, I need to calm the fuck down right now. <laughs> uh, and then the other one I wrote down was uh, just playing, you know, low quality sound. And yeah, it, this was something that will just stand out like a sore thumb if you're if you're the dj that is obviously playing like a low bit rate soundcloud rip in the yeah. middle of the set on a you know at high volume on a big club pa you're gonna hear that shit and it's yeah. gonna sound terrible and the, the patrons might not know why they're just gonna be like this sounds like crap yeah if you don't know what we're talking about uh look up square wave those are bad and you'll so make for all of you yeah, all yeah. of you watching do not rip your music do not rip your music yeah, you'll you'll end up making the venue look bad and the sound guy look bad, and they won't like that either. Well, you might even damage something, especially if it's your own gear. No. Mo, that's all I had in my notes. Did you have some more uh, points to go through before we yeah. wrap up? Yeah, I got one last one before I roll out here. Okay. But to me, the biggest rookie mistake of all is not starting. Hmm. Um, there's no the line in the sand about you starting is what you make it. Um, there's no checklist out there you're going to find on Google that says, once you can do these things, you can be a DJ. It's not like a, getting a driver's license. You know, um, you, you have to just make that, that leap and, and go do it. And you know what? Your first gig is probably not going to be amazing. Just going to put that out there right now. Um, but also with that, going back to the not panicking, no one's going to know you made a mistake unless you let them know. Now, granted, if you train wreck or whatever, or you, you're you offbeat or a little bit. To me personally, if anything, if I hear that, at least I know you're not using sync. <laughs> you know, you're actually taking the time to master that fundamental of uh, DJ skill sets, which is beat matching, which um, people will, I mean, this is always, it's about time for that, uh, that article to start to, starting some static so maybe we should maybe maybe the google uh analytics will pick up on this but yeah the importance of beat matching uh it's it's a fundamental skill and because sync does not always work and if you don't know why it's not working and you don't know how to manually beat match you're doing yourself a disservice again going back relying on technology it, it will fail you um learn how to beat match it's not that hard if you can count to four you can beat match <laughs> Yeah, I learned a lot about how I mix when I'm using Tractor just by learning how to mix records in, on mm -hmm. CDJs. And yeah. that's hard to explain why until you just kind of do it. Except for using CDs. Screw CDs. I hated CDs. Uh, CDs are not. CDs, mixing with CDs was the worst thing ever created. That was a weird in-between phase. Yeah, we, we had to have that bridge, though. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it never comes back. Well, Mr. Dingo, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I recognize that we are out of time. Uh, you've been very generous. I know this was a, a very yeah. sudden recording, but uh, you had a lot to contribute here, so I appreciate it. But that's you what we that do, time. man. That's what we do for the people. Much love, <laughs> man. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, everybody, don't forget to check out that uh, October special, that midnight edition of our classic logo tee. Once again, passionatedj.com forward slash midnight. Check, at, check us out on all the things at Passionate DJ, and we'll see you next time, and keep on spinning. Peace. Peace.